spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. Mrs. Peterson? Can I, um, help you? My name is David. I knew your son. Episode two of 31 for 31, which is a curated film program for the month of October. Conceived of as a compilation mixtape, the program explores the historical and cultural legacy of horror cinema. Consider this our billet doux to the genre. Episode two, we are doing Adam Wingard's 2014 film, The Guest, and I am joined by my co-hosts. My name's Billy Do. <laughs> and I'm Billy Don't. <laughs> Cody Mason here, aka Billy Do. And Chris Boniello, aka Billy Wilkins. <laughs> Audience loves a callback already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So episode two, we're doing The Guest, which personally, I think this movie whips ass. I love it. I think that it knows exactly what it is and gives us exactly what at least I want. Doesn't rip ass. It definitely whips. It's yeah. uh, it's on the whip end of the spectrum. I'm uh, I'm a fan. I know that you in past lists have included this as your tee off pick, which I'm sure you'll you'll include. But I'm glad that it's starting it off early because it's Halloween, definitely Halloween adjacent, but hits the vibe in a little different way from most of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's it's fun. It's lean. It's a thriller. It mixes all of the general elements of a fun kind of Halloween slasher film versus just a spy movie versus a teen drama type thing around a season. But it it doesn't lean too hard in any singular direction and everyone just seems like they're having a lot of fun. It's got a great cast and it's a fun one to rewatch and just you know, have have on with a little party. It's a uh, it's second shot is of a jack o' lantern. So, <laughs> your yes. honor, your honor, I rest my case. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I counted. It's the third shot, yeah. not including the title card. And and you know what? Places that don't have fall, like I guess they have Halloween too. I I don't really know what that's like, but sure, the New Mexico desert has Halloween, so I guess they do what they got to do. Yeah, give them their give them their time. I mean, that dance party at the end is like, we never had anything like that in high school. Yeah, up. yeah, that, we'll get to the the faults of, I didn't want this movie to be the movie where I have to question the Board of Education's uh, or <laughs> funding for the allocations for that rec center. But anyway, happens I mean, a lot. I do wonder, do Halloween dances exist? I, I feel like it's a thing in movies that I never saw in real life. We, we had a couple back in our day i think i remember because i went as uh i went as wally in a box once and uh, <laughs> oh, nice. i couldn't get in through a lot of the doors and based really? off how i looked in that time <laughs> it really just didn't really uh yeah there was it was it was layered it was a layered experience but that's fine like i said i consider it, it's like a pretty stylish retro thriller grounded by a simple yet I would say effective premise. You know, you have this family, the Petersons are grieving the loss of their son, Caleb, who was killed in action in Afghanistan, I think is what they said. And while they're all sort of beside themselves in grief and dealing with it, this stranger shows up, introduces himself as David, and he says, you know, I was friends with your son, 
I was with him when he died. And, you know, very charming, handsome young man. And they kind of welcome him into their home with open arms. And he becomes sort of a surrogate son and brother to the rest of the family. And, you know, pretty soon he starts doing some weird shit almost immediately. He's a really <laughs> cool he's, guy. He's, yeah. He's beautiful too. When yeah. When he opens the door, you can't stop looking at Dan Stevens. Yeah. That's this is uh this was his glow up from from Downton Abbey for sure. He is unbelievable in this movie. I didn't know who the fuck he was before this movie. It's like I didn't watch Downton Abbey, but like you look at his character in that and I'm like, wow, he he's kind of like a chubby, boring aristocrat. And now he comes into this movie ripped out of his mind and yeah. the next James Bond in yeah. my mind. A yeah. Southwestern but I will James say, Bond. Spoilers for Downton Abbey and this. He's not great at driving a car. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got he's not perfect. Or is okay? he? <laughs> yeah, no. He's uh yeah, and shouts out to uh his uh, another role he puts a lot of butter on in Eurovision, which I just watched again oh, recently, which is uh I would say an underrated film. So. I absolutely loved it. I have friends who love the actual Eurovision, and I was like, "This is amazing." Yeah, <laughs> he's also he's great in Le- Legion. Was my first introduction, I think, to dance. Oh movies. yeah, yeah. He another role that he puts a lot of effort into because <laughs> they stretch that pretty thin by the third season of that show. Yeah. But so as you can tell, listeners, we like Dan Stevens, and he pretty much runs the show in this one. Yeah, he he does. He I mean, they put they they shoot the way they shoot him, and just like the way he interacts, like the film would not hold up without him apparently he was their one choice and i read that basically the movie would not have happened without him like they were just like we really want you for the role if they couldn't get him they probably wouldn't have done the movie at all this podcast wouldn't exist without him (laughs) true (laughs) true very true it's a fan cast you know the absolute love jamie has to this movie (laughs) well i think the part of the reason i really like it is that to me it kind of felt like the it pulled the pin on the retro nostalgia grenade, which has kind of exploded over the the back half of this last decade. Basically, I remember watching this and being like, there is something bubbling. And, you know, a year later, we have Stranger Things in 2015, and it just becomes this monolith. Anybody who's anybody has a synthesizer playing in a (laughs) tight 82 minute stylized genre flick. This is kind of like Halloween Drive. Do you mean that as Halloween meets Drive or Halloween meets Mulholland Drive? Because those are two very different vibes. The Drive version of a Halloween Both with movie. synthesizers. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm talking about the Ryan Gosling one. I think it makes I me wonder it. what Dan Stevens could have done in Drive. Well, certainly he couldn't drive, which we've already <laughs> established. So. But got him. Got him. And I think just in terms of putting you in the mood for the season, it has those tangential elements where over the course of the unraveling, they use the Halloween setup for a couple parties, a couple, you know, kind of set pieces later on. And and just but I think it just plays into like if you had this in the middle of the summer and he was just kind of like out there baking in the summer heat in the desert hanging out and they didn't have kind of a descript sense of time to the place i think it would have just become kind of a western and i think that you know you just have a desert and a man with no name kind of feeling that would just turn it into like a more suspicious version of a kind of neo-western versus having the table set really early with halloween and some of the settings that we get here really clues into there's going to be action in this but it's supposed to be unnerving and spooky 
Yeah, if John Wick's jack-o'-lantern got destroyed. <laughs> Send him in. It is like a set dressing, which just kind of allows it. It just gives it a little extra something. And I mean, obviously, we love we all love Halloween. And it, it, I think it just plays into a lot of the themes of the film as well without being maybe necessarily in your face about it. Like, um, and I think in terms of like our our mixtape. You know, if you can pull off those abs, that's a costume. <laughs> The mixtape, like, I guess, like, the the tempo of it, like, trick-or-treat is, like, being dipped in the candy corn. It's just, like, a full-on, full-bore Halloween movie. Whereas this is, like, I kind of like how it's low-key, almost like the Die Hard of Halloween movies. People will argue if Die Hard is really a, a Christmas movie. There's arguments made that this isn't a Halloween movie, but I think it is, for sure. Yeah, it is yeah. the season. And I, I think in what we're working on, it... it you know, it fits in where on this playlist, you've started it, you you hit the, the saccharine on the first track, you got all of it, you got everything from Trick or Treat, and now... <laughs> you got, you could just the, end it right there, Chris, yeah. just play yeah. that 30 more times. <laughs> but now you're getting, you're getting into these different tangents and side streets, and you know, this isn't just slasher movies, it's not just horror movies, there's some fun, lean thrillers that, that go within Halloween kind of those themes that the other movies use with monsters and different things. And this is a guy who in most senses is a monster, but is also just a guy. Yeah. A very handsome monster, you know, but well, I yeah. feel like that's, you know, something we're going to aim for throughout. It's just kind of like when you've got to play the the ballad that everybody's going to sing along to in the playlist versus throwing a little squeaker or throwing in a little bit of a, a yeah. genre mix up just to, you know, if you, if you think back to what you would try to do to stay immersed in the season, which is kind of our grounding for this and thinking of our own Octobers and our perfect playlists like Nick and Nora, I think it's really, really trying to like sustain that high. And I think just too many things in major key and just being out in the open with very saccharine sweet trick-or-treats over and over again it's just gonna blow all your wad too early you know we gotta just kind of yeah. smooth it out and make sure that the, the atmosphere is there but we're not just hitting hitting ourselves over the head with it because it's yeah it loses its mystique yep you got to the party you're overwhelmed by everyone's costume now you need that first hard cocktail to get you get you set get you going and that's that's where i feel like the guest comes in yeah it it I think like Jamie said, a palate cleanser, but it gets you in there and gets you in the mood to say, oh, you know, I can do 29 more of these. It's not going to be the same thing over and over again. We're, we're a couple of times we're going to be in a sprint. A couple of times we're going to sit back and eat a whole, you know, Snickers. Yeah, I feel like we're we're just letting you know that we're going to have some things that are going to ask a little more of you later, maybe once you're already buying in. But for these first few, it's really just like. Keep it sweet, keep it moving, mix it up a little bit. But I feel like this one, if we really think about, you know, Secret Secret, the rest of the list is uh, a, a pretty bold exception in terms of just like how much it plays into being at certain junctions, like just a comedic action movie, like not at all scary other than having like someone who's deranged behind the trigger. So I think that's a refreshing little jump to have those scenes where we're just having eventually when his cover is blown a full scale machine gun browning situation mowing down an entire building and it just kind of being played for laughs and then we get back into okay from there it's going to turn into more of a 
no country for old men suspense walking into a diner scene into i'm literally in fog chasing you in a in a halloween set dance dress up so i think that's a nice way to keep this this thing on our toes a little bit like you're saying don't you just love any Halloween party or costume party in a movie? Yeah. You just know it's an excuse to throw in some Easter eggs, either the filmmakers getting away with, you know, one of the masks by one of the party goers is from his previous film, You're Next. I think he's wearing like the fox mask or something like that. And there's like a few others that you just look in the background and you just notice those little things and you're like, oh, I love that. Like you just know that they're having a ball. Yeah. If you're going to throw it in, you got to do it with love. Like you've got to have at least a couple witty costumes or a couple things that are at least just like, okay, we're taking this not as a uh, a fun little, oh, it's Halloween. We might as well have a party. It's like if we're going to have a party, we're going to sit down and think this through and actually have it really feel really well conveyed coming across rather than just like yeah, throw on some ears and let's get back to <laughs> But yeah, I feel like that's uh, one of the better parts of this movie. And I think the movies that have since been influenced by it is just like how with his charm, the things he can't do other than drive, he takes a role that is really just like this menacing person who turns into this kind of monkey's paw for this family of killing anyone it gets in their way and kind of being this gruff, cool brother or son that kind of like keeps them on the up and up at at any cost while keeping his cover and then eventually just turning on them and everybody and being a a crazy maniac. And the whole time you never really sway from him being your, (laughs) your compass needle. Like they try to designate that over to make a Monroe's character who plays the, the daughter who kind of gets a sniff and knows that she gets wise to his, his grift. But like the whole time you're like, all right, I hope she doesn't figure it out too fast because I want to see him do some more cool stuff that's pretty evil, yeah. but I'm into it, you know? It's it's certainly a movie that, like, I think almost from the get-go, you know that he's about to explode at any moment. It's not a surprise that he turns out bad. It's having fun with the suspense that you're just waiting for him to do something crazy. And you know from the get-go that he is going to do something and you don't really know what. And his backstory of like what exactly is wrong with him or what happened to him is kept fairly ambiguous. We basically get the bare minimum of he was part of some military experiment. The dead brother was maybe involved, but it's very unclear. You don't really get any clear answers about his nature as a character or what happened to him or what led him to get to this point. I think it's kind of a a good thing because I just hate too much exposition. But how do you guys feel? Yeah, I, I'm good on the uh, the lack of backstory flashback to Afghanistan scenes here. Keeps it lean, but I think that that's something that does come across as kind of fun as just a pull the rug out moment. And I, the thing I'd refer to is like the first half of the movie is setting up that he's going to be, like I said, this monkey's paw example of someone coming into their lives and granting their wishes at a huge cost. But still, like you could tell he had some loyalty to their son and now this is his new family. And then probably two thirds of the way through, he gets identified and it's shown that he was part of a secret government operation and the number one job is not to get identified by name or to figure get it figured out. And then he says, my priorities have shifted <laughs> to murdering this entire family that I've been taking care of, which is pretty jarring. And then just like 
in the moment, just kind of a bang, bang double header of him murdering both parents pretty quickly who were sizable parts of the movie and then hunting down the kids is where is jarred probably a good word for it. Yeah. Is it is it handled 100 percent? Well, I, I was like, ah, does that kind of discredit the whole beginning? But I think it ends up working just because he because he's such a, you know, man of mystery that they're able to pull that off without it coming across too disingenuous. I think it works too. I mean, I I definitely don't need a lot of exposition, especially in a lean, fun thriller like this. It would only slow things down if they had even, I think, one more scene in that military complex and you had guys looking at a screen of like muscles expanding and talking about some serum or something. It just like, it doesn't work because then it makes a lot of the things later on not make sense or just add too many questions when he gets in the car accident or gets shot you're like well why didn't he use his healing powers or super serum or something like this there's no you know there's no scene of him lifting up some needle of green stuff and slamming it into himself and going like super soldier against everyone he's just he he might be an achievable level of humanity we don't know he's just been brainwashed yeah we just get the the level of Hey, he was programmed. And then to whatever extent the movie needs him to either be programmed or not programmed at any moment, you get away with it, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. Lance Reddick does some heavy lifting in that part. And Lance Reddick, who is just awesome, like in anything, anytime that guy shows up, you could just believe anything that he's going to tell you. And I think he lends the film the sort of authority to be like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Even though it doesn't really make sense. He could say that, you know, unicorns were falling from the sky and I'd be like, damn, this guy's got a point. Yeah. He's got such great posture. (laughs) I wrote, I wrote a note. Like, does anyone get out of a car better and just say, ma'am. And you immediately just stop and you're like, I got to listen. I don't know what he, he knows something. He gets out of that that suburban. That's what I never believed about the wire. It's like, why are they not getting the funding they need? They just need Lance Reddick to walk into a room. (laughs) Oh man, Lieutenant Daniels. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just figured they'd uh, feel that same power from his presence. (laughs) Like he, he just chews it up. He's great. You totally believe it when he tells the guy with the, crazy like 50 cal machine gun like cover me for 15 seconds i'm going in you're like okay yeah i, <laughs> I mean like the, skinny, the skinniest guy here i guess he's going in yeah <laughs> he's ropey yeah he, he said ma'am really really effectively it does a pretty impressive job of walking that tightrope and i think it's helped by just having sort of like a wicked sense of humor that it kind of knows it can get away with it i mean there's the scene in the diner where he blows up like a diner full of patrons set to that Stevie B song, Because I Love You. It could have very well been a jump the shark moment. But for me, I yeah. just think it's kind of been building and it kind of actually is needed to lighten the mood because we did just watch him murder two characters we generally liked or three characters. If you include like the waitress, Micah Monroe's well, friend. He hooked up with already. Yeah, he already hooked up with her and then he shot and killed and then he killed a bunch of innocent people. I'm still kind of rooting for him. I hate to say that. I'm yeah, no. like, it's like the uh, it's like a, the coin toss scene in No Country for Old Men to bring that up again. A Coen Brothers dark humor without any restraint to it. It's just like there's no actual fun meaning or contemplation in this dark comedy of violence and just like yeah. kind of mundane violence. It's just kind of like a flippant. Hey, you know, who cares about these people anyway? You're just rooting for the maniac. Let's get out of here. You know, and for for me, there's also like a moment of like wish fulfillment. Like there, there's always the time in my life where like for some reason, if I'm stuck in the desert and some guy has a gun in his head, you know, a three shot montage, I can take the gun away, turn it around and like 
change the whole scene. In my mind, I want to pull that off. And I feel like when he pulls it off in the scene of selling the, the guns or buying the guns, I'm just like, you know, I'm going to ride with this guy. Let's see where he goes. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's been nice to the kid. He, he outsmarted the principal with a crazy LGBTQ flip of of uh, Legal suing battle, them. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll take him for a ride. Yeah. And then by that time, once he's blowing people I've up. seen his abs. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, come on. He opened the door. He had me at hello. It is crazy just how many scenes of like he does something awful and then immediately he kind of like redeems himself by like beating up the bullies or helping the sister with her problems. And it's like, okay, maybe those guys deserved it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, the internal logic (laughs) is is sound for the most part. Who am I to judge, really? It's like, hey, okay, I guess he was. I haven't been in this town that long. I think my favorite wish fulfillment is with the dad who I would argue if David didn't come into the life of the family might have snapped himself because yeah his first scene is him complaining like i'm never gonna get that fucking promotion my wife doesn't respect me i was like this could have been a really different movie he he immediately enters the house and always needs a drink <laughs> yeah he's he's like american beauty too waiting to happen just a very down 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 man and i feel like that's against type for that actor uh leland orser he's uh who you know a movie we talk about often too Devil's Candy got a lot of uh, got a lot of features in this movie. We got Ethan Embry for about four seconds. We got Leland coming back, you know. So it's a family it's a family affair. Ethan Embry's great in it too. He only has a <laughs> three three minute bit, but yeah, did, he chews it up. Did he think he had more pages when he showed up <laughs> and then he read the end? And he he like, might have. I mean, maybe he was at the Halloween party at at one point. Apparently, there was twenty minutes that they cut out, and a lot of it was to its benefit probably oh yeah yeah a lot of it apparently was a little bit about david's backstory which like we said i think rightfully was was snipped and you know kept it more ambiguous yeah i don't need and if you give me a sentence he's part of a secret government operation i'll believe anything you do until you tell me what the rules or what that operation actually was and then i'm going to start questioning it at all when snake plissken walks up he has an eye patch and his name is snake plissken (laughs) and no further questions your honor (laughs) i understand yeah i mean speaking of a john carpenter film adam wingard to me just is obviously very referential and in some sense, even irreverent. This feels a lot like a John Carpenter movie. And, you know, there are some little nods to his filmography. And I I mean, that's just an era. And John Carpenter, especially with all the heavy hitting, you know, horror movies and genre movies that he did, left such like an indelible mark on filmmakers today. Or I think that like grew up in the 80s, were watching his movies and now have like gotten their start. You know, Adam Wingard's a fairly young filmmaker. And yeah, he went from you know what the budget on this was like five million two point seven yeah oh wow even lower then he did five million on that blair witch uh prequel sequel thing equal and then like (laughs) who knows yeah yeah then moved up to death note at 40 million which terrible movie i'm sorry i I, I, sorry i didn't even watch it was not i didn't watch it it was not a good movie but now jumping up to like a hundred something million probably for godzilla kong is just crazy getting the uh gareth evans treatment there yeah. hey michael dotry did the godzilla before yeah i mean yeah we might need to have both of them on and not <laughs> talk about any godzilla movies 
But it's, I mean, Adam Wingard kind of came from this mumblecore background. Like he was sort of, I mean, he's popped up in other filmmakers' films as an actor himself. A guy that shows up briefly in this film is um, A.J. Bowen, who's like a director in his own right, um, or a producer and actor, I should say. And can I can I redeem myself really quick? And yes, Gareth Evans and Gareth Edwards are two different people, and that always mixes me up. Yeah, you can redeem yeah. yourself. I mean, it mixes me up. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, I think it I think it mixes them up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for a Godzilla movie from Gareth. Yeah, either Gareth the other or <laughs> Gareth Edwards or Evans has a key to my heart to make a bigger movie because they both they both have been upgraded from small budget. Give me the raid three. <laughs> the raid Please. three colon this time it's dan stevens hell yeah give me a dan <laughs> stevens the raid hell yeah and king kong fuck it and we're a little off course now <laughs> yeah cut everything we just did out but i mean i will say going back to how much the dad comes home and drinks i don't think it was a great home environment even before the brother died it seems like the mom is definitely on some sort of chill pills like <laughs> you don't see her taking any but she seems out of it in general and that dad just does not stop drinking and seems indifferent and i guess like their daughter who is still in high school also works the night shift at a diner i mean that crossed they my need mind to make once. her do that or like i feel she, bad for her <laughs> or like she she slept in late and i remember being like wait are, are these at the weekend or like what what's going on at something like i don't know i was like a little and her friends are like living alone. Are they in a college? Are they older? It's a little unclear. Yeah, it seems like they might be the older kind of townie. They've right. graduated, but they're just not going anywhere. It feels like that. We don't get a lot of the town, but it feels like that type of town. There's actually one element that I kind of picked up. It's almost like a uh, low-key vampire element to Dan Stevens' character. He has like, that, like... He has to be invited in. Let me in, you know, you've got that uh, going for he it. He drinks the the fireball, which immediately makes me think of, like, blood. And... True. There's, like, little things like that that I like that they're kind of, like, like kind of threaded through. That, you know, he's obviously not supposed to be a literal vampire, but he kind of comes across as, like, almost as, like, 21st century Dracula, where he just can get anything he wants in a lot of ways. Like, he's I kind mean, of... Let's be honest, if you open the poster for this movie, put fangs on it <laughs> with the subtitle, be careful who you let in, and then say yeah. like High Plains Drifter meets Dracula underneath it, there is zero change to the movie itself <laughs> other than and does he, drinking does he also Does he bite the girl during the sex scene or am I just confusing? That's, that's something else you watched. I don't know. Trick or treat now. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's definitely got a great smile so <laughs> just let's keep let's keep hyping up dan stevens while we watch i would a hundred percent watch a dan stevens vampire raid movie yeah yeah, yeah. Put it if in, anyone's put listening it you just make it i would that's, i would watch it that's why we're making this podcast as we stated with, <laughs> with some like musical dance scenes like in legion because he can yeah like, and in eurovision see it's all eurovision, tying yeah. together it's all tying put it in oh room. and he's like kind of scandinavian in eurovision yeah he's russian he's almost a vamp yeah oh, i mean we got a we got to combine this. Oh, he is Russian. Kind of that yeah. Rasputin so there we go. Yeah, we got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. Yeah. If anybody Man, wants if to read that to, like, script, Chris and, I are gonna, Chris and I are going to work on that tonight. Do you guys want guest two or are you pretty satisfied? I think guest two guest harder 
is is probably a mistake. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the ending of this. I like mainly that he's he's vanquished kind of in the final showdown by the the younger brother who idolized him kind of by his own hand with the knife that he gave him mainly for the the gag of him dying and being like good job thumbs up you did the right thing you know he gives the terminator thumbs up and yeah just kind of like goes to that's what that moment is why i don't mind him turning on the family because he's still consistent as a character after but yeah i mean you know you're gonna get the oh he's walking away and he's actually in the firefighter outfit and gasp cuts a cuts a black kind of moment you know it's not i I, it kind of needs to happen but it was kind of by the numbers but i feel like to have a uh you know dan stevens takes manhattan moment after this to just throw him a different setting and just have people hunting him down again that's tough is the brother actually not dead and he comes back finds out his family has been killed and he goes after dan stevens Mm. and we get a we get Kill a Bill Volume Super Three Soldier. kind of thing, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if if I need that too much because I'd probably still be rooting for Dan Stevens. <laughs> yeah, they'd have to hire somebody real charismatic to come in as <laughs> you know Caleb there, or or just Ryan Gosling versus Dan Stevens, yeah. and half the time you're seeing him from behind and not sure who's who. Did they ever see? <laughs> could we ever see in the picture if uh, Dan Stevens' friend or, or Caleb, I should say, wasn't Godzilla? Because, I mean, <laughs> you don't, <laughs> right. until proven wrong, I'm going to say it was. Right. Um, but, I mean, is that is that a nitpick? Because I, I was wondering, like, if he's in that photo, like, he so he was there with him. He knows his brother. Yeah, and that's the in, only reason he, he would give this family the time of day anyway. It's not like he really needed a place to stay that bad with his cunning and everything. Like, I feel like his motives were half true you know yeah i mean they don't go i i wonder if the backstory has some sort of thing where he caused the other death the bro the other brother's death and he owes the family something yeah like as something in their training system you always oh you're i don't know if you're, if a fellow super soldier dies or but. yeah i think it was just like a combination of he did make like a vow and he's sort of like maybe it was like a programmed like he has to yeah. follow his mission and that became yeah part he's of his only mission. rules yeah, yeah he's, like he just he just lives by rules so um but i would i would want to see a sequel as well i think it's a perfectly like self-contained story i'm not sure where if you would want to expand it in any way it's yeah. just sort of no, like it has a perfect maybe slightly tropey cliche ending but it's sort of like you get a laugh and it's sort of like that's it you know we don't need yeah. we don't need to revisit it and it doesn't it doesn't play the ending like you don't already know it's coming. You, right. you know that that's the ending. You're ready for it. And then when it happens, you kind of do the like clap. I knew that was coming. And thanks for giving me that. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's, 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 a, it's fun. It's tough to explore his character more for the same reason. It's hard to have consecutive Dracula movies where it's just like if you live by a singular motivation after a while, we understand that you're just trying to survive and, and kind of be flirty along the way. You know, so yeah, I feel like he's. He's done unless there was another member of that platoon living in a different setting that would be fun to film. It's like there's there's nothing else to do here. Yeah. 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 I haven't seen John Wick three. <laughs> pretty, so what is uh... that's the only series I was going to mention, actually, of just like, man, you can beat a dead horse and it's back alive <laughs> like, <laughs> quite literally in that show. But yeah. Which I feel like to round it out here for the conversation, like that last scene in a fog machined setup for a dance, I think is pretty, I I appreciated that like they took the time 
to establish that this dance was taking place, that this guy was in detention setting it up and then having it. It was like a set piece that deserved to be there. I feel like that's a that's a nitpick usually for me. But like just to have something where, you know, I was watching uh, Freaky, uh, which was altogether a fine enough movie, but has a scene that's like, oh, they canceled the homecoming dance or the Halloween dance. Let's throw together our own Halloween style homecoming dance and like a scene later there's like the most elaborate project x party you've ever seen now this is like a very impressive dance that was put together with love we see them constructing it and then we're gonna have our last final scene going on here it's just like you know what good for you 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 took this and you actually walked with it a little bit but that's me being uh you know just the guy who screams out like who paid for this dance and everybody shushes <laughs> the th- I, yeah it's over the top theatrical but i think it works and i think it's a capstone on the film to have like that scene and it was built up like you said and i think it just it it's a perfect way to end the movie yeah it's, it's the only way that movie ends with a hall of mirrors <laughs> showdown <laughs> and you're not just like come on man you know it still works yeah and it's and it's a nice like come down from the crazy house shootout you had with the gun mowing down the house and somehow not really hitting anything and you know that whole uh special forces team trying to take over the house and he's taking them all out and you're like all right well now i've been built up and watch him took out seal team six <laughs> um but luckily luckily as i know as a moviegoer two kids in a halloween theme place are going to have a lot of advantages because of the scary stuff yeah. let's see how he does on this turf yeah look out for the fog but speaking of john carpenter but i feel like that's do you think he even knows what halloween is being a super soldier government project he didn't maybe did he, he go in costume scared. to the to the costume party or did he just kind of like wear a t-shirt and say like i'm cool he wore a t-shirt and walked in carrying two kegs. That and was his costume. Was, yeah, and yeah. yeah and was his like, costume was being a real like, cool dude. Okay, I get it. Yeah. And then he broke a perfectly framed photo in the hallway. No. Yeah. On the kid's head. That's that, that to me is the moment, even though we've seen some other things with him leading up to that. That's the one where you're like, oh, he'll destroy a 16-year-old's head. Yeah. Okay. No got problem. it. Got it. Roger that. Roger that. We, we <laughs> any, know who we're dealing with. Any other uh, any other thoughts on the guest before we uh, close this out? I will say I do love the line when he's talking to. Is the son's name Luke? I think who's getting bullied when he's talking to him and he's like, he's like trying to give him sage advice and he's telling him, you know, if you're getting if you're getting bullied, like you you don't just stand there and take it. Basically. <laughs> go burn down the bully's house with his family inside while he's asleep (laughs) and you're i'm just like whoa i was expecting like a you know a more haiku formed nicely you know set up thing about you stab him in the back or you turn from your enemy it's just no like take the total cheap route while everyone's asleep you go to the gas station (laughs) step one It costs two sixty nine. If it's any more expensive, go to a different gas station. You got plenty of night. We got all night. Um, He's got jokes. He's got yeah. David's got jokes. He's got some clips that are very funny. Yeah, well, but that's one I'm always expecting a joke, and he's just like, and then you're just like, oh, he's serious. And yeah, that is a very efficient way to kill a bully in family. <laughs> Taking notes for all our listeners. No. Just you know, fast forward so, to the twenty three minute mark. Um, so the episode- soundtrack and the needle drops are great. Jamie, you mentioned the diner scene, but there's there's a couple other that are really good in there. Oh yeah, the the soundtrack's fantastic. It, it it the film would not work nearly as well without the music, for sure. 
yeah, it definitely wouldn't be able to keep up with the fact that we're supposed to believe he's that cool in style <laughs> with just showing how cool he does look pretty cool. But it definitely is his own personal hype track uh, during all things walking with beer to walking with machine guns for sure. But I would say I, I can you could just extra textually here. I'll say we can plop this anywhere. But I was just going to while I'm thinking of it, say for next episode, which I'll be walking through our secret third pick. I feel like this is a good lead in for this movie being something that very texturally doesn't feel Halloween. You know, it's got more of a Western you know, sandy, gritty action vibe moments of, you know, over jack-o'-lanterns and fog. But the actual plot rolls out in in a good slasher fashion where, you know, we have this kind of body count building and, and, a, and a psycho on the loose. And I feel like our next movie is a fun reversal of that, which will give you all of the textures and spooky bogs with, you know, crooked trees and and howling at the moon that you need without necessarily having things be you know overtly halloweeny um in in terms of how the whole plot plays out but going from a slasher without a full moon to a full moon without a slasher next time so that's my lead that's my lead in i like it perfect it feels right yeah clue word grim that's Grim. my clue word for the next episode. Yeah, I'll say my clue word. Oh, is it, maybe this will become a, a topic. But yeah, clue clue word Grim. We, we can we can all align on.